Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Uh, hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. And my very special guest today, calling from Los Angeles, California, you might know her as Diana on American Woman TV uh, on Paramount Network, uh, but I know her as Jen Bartels. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited for this. I've been looking forward to it for a while. Um, and I know you're super busy and just like seeing just the week you've had uh, on Instagram. Uh, I'm very grateful that you've come on the show today, and I'm, I'm excited to not only talk to you about your uh, diagnosis and your life with type 1, but also just do some skits and bits and have fun a fun conversation with a very funny person. Oh, I hope I can be fun and funny. Thank you. Well, um, I have no doubt that you will. But uh, to start out uh, with always the least fun and funny part of our show uh, – how did you end up as a part of this type 1 diabetes family? Because this is somewhat of a new thing for you. Yeah, it's a really new thing. Uh, I was, I, I didn't, I don't have any family members that I know that have type 1. I, it, but it, it gets lost in the mix history wise. So I, I didn't, I just was me up until a year ago. And then uh, I had autoimmune, I have a Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Uh, but I feel like one out of every one person has that. So yep, I didn't, same, I, I have that. Yeah, so it's like that's just everyone's thyroid is horrible. But um, then I was shooting American Woman, and during filming, I noticed I was losing a lot of weight. Not a lot of weight, but a few pounds, and I was eating so much. I was just like, every night I was like, do I just have chronic UT? It's like, how much cranberry juice can a girl drink? And I was like, no, this feels weird. It feels different. And I was like, but I also look good. So I was like, I guess this is being an actor. You just lose weight and feel like you're dying. And I really thought that for a few weeks and was like, this is L.A., Jennifer. Um, And then I went to the doctor and they were like, we we need to send you right away to an endocrinologist. Your sugars are really high. And I was like, I don't even... I, I don't know. I just, I kind of was like diabetes. I was, I thought about it a little and sure enough, I went and did a fasting test and, uh, my sugars were like 210 or something. And, uh, then, and then I, I researched very heavily, very quickly. I'm like, what other tests can you do? And so they did that antibodies test to ensure that it was my own body attacking my pancreas and that it was type one late onset. And, and that was it. And then I kept filming. Um, I had a weird hiatus. Like it just was like the universe lined up. I, I went on break from filming. We took a few weeks off and I was able to mentally and physically kind of accept, no, I don't know if I accept it, but, uh, like, I guess address it. And, and the first weekend I had planned a trip with, uh, my family. Um, and I knew I had to start taking metformin. They started me on that because my pancreas was bit. And I was like, I looked at my family and I was like, I get two more days. I get two more days of old gen, carb, chubkin gen. I'm eating whatever I want. I'm drinking whatever I want. 
and I went to Palm Springs and then Monday I started the meds and, and uh, that's, that was the start of the journey. It's interesting kind of how, uh, uh those things line up, right. When you're, uh, when you get diagnosed and you have either like, for me, I was on Christmas break. Uh, so I didn't have to go to school and, you know, in high school is that weird, like you get Christmas, but also like the first few days of the year, depending on when, uh, the first Monday is. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the hospital from new year's day through that like Sunday night. And then the next day my mom was like, all right, well, you're going to school. So it was sort of this like, oh yeah, everybody's heard now that I was in the hospital, but on day one, like I'm there and I just have diabetes now. Like that's the thing. Yeah, and I think it's, I don't even think I realized, I think I'm still realizing the gravity and the weight that diabetes has on a person's health, mentally and physically and socially. Uh, and I think real quickly, I was like, I guess I just have diabetes. And I was like, oh, here we go. And and only through time do you realize when you have a really bad low or a series of highs where your head is pounding or you're getting night sweats, you're like, oh man, this is a forever like little elf on my back, like, you know, a little whatever, it's not going away. So how, what were your symptoms? Uh, very similar to yours. My blood sugar was a little bit higher. I think I had had type one for a little bit longer, but yeah, I was real tall and skinny and lost like 20 pounds in two weeks and was peeing nonstop. I think I went and saw the aviator. I always joke like, and the thing I did when I was 16 was I, and I went to the movies, I'd get a big popcorn and a big Coke. So I was drinking those and my blood sugar was probably just climbing super yeah. high. So I went to the bathroom probably every three minutes in that movie. And I was like, this movie sucks, man. Leonardo DiCaprio is <laughs> overrated and all this stuff. And, I, and then I realized like, oh, the movie's actually not that bad. Uh, I just had terrible chronic diabetes, type 1 diabetes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it, yeah. Go ahead. it's always it's always interesting you know, like you said, like, Hey, I don't feel that bad. I, I look great. You know, I'm, I'm just dealing with this. And then you learn and you start doing your research, right? Like, Oh no, what is, what is all this? And then you, not only do you get diagnosed, then you get told, okay, well, here are your treatment options for the rest of your life. And then you say, oh, you have, you accept that. And then you kind of go through and you understand the day to day, like really living with it. And that's sort of where the burden really kicks in. Did you have any of that like early on where you're like, Oh no, like this is a real chronic lifelong type thing. Um, I think it set in over time because I was in a honeymoon phase for a while. So my blood sugars were flirting with like the 200s, which I was used to running high. Uh, so it wasn't that problematic. And um, and I didn't really know that, you know, running high years on end can cause horrible complications down the road. So I was eating lower carb and I was taking, I wasn't even insulin or short-term insulin I was just doing basil in the morning and at night and then just eating low carb I wouldn't go above 200 so I was and I was really active because I've always worked out a lot so it was fine until um the end of last year I got it was just a stressful time holidays and everything and um and I and, and I think my pancreas was like I'm good and then peaced out and now it's been much more I have to unless it's really truly no carbs, my ratio, like I have to shoot for meals and I have to monitor when I want to have a glass of wine or three and, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, there's just no taking the day off. There's never a day off. It's like, that's what's I think frustrating that with time settles in, you're like, uh, no matter what you, you have to deal with this. So that's, that's a realization. And I think it's really different too 
you know, for people like you who were diagnosed later, later in your life, like already, you know, late twenties, early thirties, like you've lived your life, like a large portion of it with, without diabetes. So, you know, I mean, you still, right now you can remember life like old gen carb gen, like you described her. Uh, I remember basically kind of not having diabetes being diagnosed at 16. And then I have a friend named Austin who has had diabetes since he was two and doesn't know the difference. So, you know, a, creating that adjustment for in the middle, you know, in the middle of your very active life, you know, where you, you don't really have time to think about how you, now you have to change the way your body's going to respond to things. What is that like? What's that sort of stark draw, line in the sand moment? Like, oh, things are different now. Well, it's interesting because I, I think of all the children, you know, that, uh, oh my gosh, I, sound, I don't know what I sound like. Like, I'm here to <laughs> save everyone. I think of all the children. No, but I do. I think of all the, the the kids that are just you know a few years, a few months of being born are diagnosed with type one, and they don't know any different. And I feel like this this sympathy and this empathy for them. And then I'm like, but wait, in a way, they just don't know anything different. So for me, there was a mourning of who I used to be and now who I am. And it's like it's not just drunkenly eating Pizza Hut on a Friday night. Everything changes. Like. I've had lows now that have made me so scared I'm going to have a seizure or no one's going to find me. And I've had highs where I'm like, well, if this goes on for days, you're going to lose a finger. Like these are that now I'm realizing. And because I've experienced what it was a year before, my blood work was fine. Totally fine. I'm so, I'm hypochondriac. So because of Hashimoto's and me being me and I have anxiety at times, I go to the doctor. And they were just, they were, everyone was kind of like, wait a minute, you have type one? So it was just, it was a different kind of jolt that I think I had to come to terms with um, because I did get it later in life. Uh, so that's, that's been, it has been an adjustment. And so I'm like, should I have, would I have liked it as a kid? And I'm like, no, it, everything, the universe works the way it's going to, but it, it has been shitty. Can I say shitty? Yeah. Okay, shitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said the F word on the podcast a few uh, episodes ago. <laughs> um, I just describing myself and it was a really weird like moment. I was like, Oh, now I know what my guests feel like when they don't know that they can, you know, curse. There's no like explicit content next to my podcast on iTunes yet. I, I guess. think it's like 2018. So an occasional shit or fuck is fine. Yeah. I think it's turning into a Tarantino podcast about diabetes, which right. could be amazing. It might be, it would be awesome. It'd be really gory. There'd be a lot of lost limbs. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, the kids have Instagram. They've seen shitty. They follow Kim Kardashian. It's, yeah, they're, they're numbers, <laughs> right? So, um, let's talk a little bit about your life as an actress and a comedian. You, you know, for those people who, like you, you, we've had actors on this podcast before. We have we've had Derek Thieler on talking about days on set, uh, traveling. You know, you just you just been doing a press tour. Any sort of challenges now that you have to think about uh, outside of the general, oh, yeah, don't forget to pack your insulin, um, oh. that you didn't have to think before? Oh, definitely. Well, there's such a stress being a performer. I mean, you're a performer, you know, like you're creating your business as yourself. So there's like your storefront is you. So mentally, physically, emotionally, you have to be ready to go at any moment. And and there's so much pressure um, and it's wonderful, but it, there's a lot of there's a lot of and there is stress with it, with traveling and landing safely and getting there and what's going on and itinerary and performing in front of people. And then when you throw the diabetes into it, uh, New York was a little stressful, just the last thing, you know, last. Um, 
you know, you go to these big events and these dinners and then you have to ask for a modified plate. And like, then it's like, you want to explain why I know for me, I, I shouldn't care, but I do. It's just who I am. I don't want to even when I go to a restaurant when I was in New York or anywhere where I'm like, can I just get no carbs or can I just get double veggies? And I get like an eye roll. Look, not that person. I have type one. Thanks. Like uh, this isn't a joke. Um, and then I, there was a few nights with sleep and with blood sugar because I was traveling. Um, like on the last night there, I went out with all my friends. I had worked. I had did a, I had did two photo shoots and three dinners and a community day to support Viacom, which was so wonderful. And I over insulated because I'm still learning about that. So I wanted this grilled cheese from this hotel I was staying at so bad. I got to have one and get that grilled cheese. And I was like, tonight's the night. Because normally I just don't do it. Um, it's just easier. And so I shot for the, the mac and cheese because I really went hard. And then I was like, you know what? Precautionary. Let me shoot. And I hadn't even digested it, and I overcompensated, and I checked my blood about an hour into hanging out with my friends, and it was like 57, and then it was 40. And I just started sweating profusely, and I was like, I'm going to die on this trip, because I've never gotten that low. And my friend had to get me blood strips, because I had just run out, and then my friends are like, are you sure you're taking care of yourself? And I'm like, no, I am. I just happen to run out of blood strips. This normally doesn't happen. I'm just fun, and fun for me is like packing a diaper bag for a child that never grows up. That's what it feels like now. And then still being like, cool, fun, ready to go, you know, like, so it's, it's, it's an extra stress. Yeah. It is. And I think even more so like the friend thing, I think that just really stood out to me when your friend's like, Hey, are you sure you're all right? Like, are you sure you should be doing this? And I think, you know, at least in me, like I have this like confidence and life is a confidence game and all this stuff. But like, I'm going to be fine. I'm choosing to do this. I'm in control of my choices, whether it's going out and drinking or eating a big slice of cheesecake. I remember I was at our Dallas Comedy House maybe two and a half years ago, and they had this cheesecake thing on the food menu that they added for some reason because everybody wants cheesecake from a comedy club. But I was like, I'm going to eat this tonight. I'm going to show you guys. And like one of my friends came up and met well. I was like, is that okay for you? And, you know, so there's always those moments where, yeah, it's okay, but afterwards I'm the one that's going to have to deal with it. Um, whether that's a big spike followed by a, a long crash or, hey, maybe I managed to get the first spike right but uh, you know didn't dose enough and I go high in the night because I'm asleep and it's sitting there in my stomach or whatever the case is. And you can kind of spiral down the decision tree there and, you, and by the end of it, you're like, wow, was this even worth it? Um, and that's kind of the, this is the tough thing that they don't tell you when, they, when you walk out of the hospital on day one. In a world, we could all be better and we could all be – to the book a lot more, uh, but there has to be a point where you're like, I have to just live my life and I'm going to live it with these adjustments and I'm going to do the best I can the majority of the time, but there's going to be mistakes and my mistakes is someone else's mistakes in regards to something else. So I can't, I can't let it dictate me. And that's something we kind of talked about before we started this podcast is this idea that it, it defines you. And I don't think it does. It's a, it's a, sh it's a crappy thing that happens. But crap things and suffering happens to everyone. That is life. Then there's just pops of brightness. So you just try to run, chase, and absorb and be in those moments. And you just deal with the shit you're given because everyone at any level is given shit. Uh, I, I do want to say I'm thankful that you reached your only two shits per answer uh, right, capita yeah, thank you. in your contract uh, and replaced the others with craps. It was good. Thank, uh, Thanks. I tried. I mean, the Staten Island sometimes just pours out of me. Sorry huh. about that. No, it's fine. I'm just uh, giving you shit. Um, oh. So <laughs> – 
let's talk a little bit about uh, i'd give a talk called tools of type ones um and i've been kind of going around the country doing that this year and one of the things that i try to get up at the beginning of the presentation is that you are not a burden to anyone uh, that in, you described your feeling in the restaurant, whether it's the maitre d' or the chef saying, oh, God, another person who wants more veggies and no beautiful potatoes or whatever that I made. Um, but that you, you're worth it. You are like your life with diabetes is your life and you have to assign value to that and you know make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Um, how do how do you manage that um, with so many expectations on you as a performer and, uh, and taking care of managing other things? Um, how do you make sure that you prioritize like taking care of, of Jen and Jen's life with type one? Well, I think like you said, I, I think a lot of people don't invest enough time in self-love and self-care. I've been guilty of that, too, where you just, you know, you're just not the kindest to yourself, either physically or emotionally or mentally. And diabetes kind of forces you to take better care of yourself, to uh, put yourself first, because it is a life or death situation. And and that's not dramatic. That definitely can happen with the way our bodies work. So I've always worked out. That's really important. Physical fitness is, um, is number one to me. I've always been active because not even factor in weight and trying to, you know, of course, my body is my Part of my job so I want to maintain healthy and a good size and a good role model to people like I think you can eat and just be healthy and strong but um working out's always been big and I think therapy too I'm really big into therapy like I just to have someone to springboard ideas or anxieties or uh, concerns with that isn't my mom who's like Jennifer I don't know it's fine just don't eat so like whatever it is like to have someone that can um, have a different perspective. I think that's important as well. LA has been great too. I think LA for all the judgment on LA, whatever, it's a really positive place to do work on yourself. If you want to, um, there's just a lot of opportunity to do that out here. So yeah. try to just not anymore to do the things that a few years ago was like, I can miss this spin class. If I do the spin class, my insulin resistance is, or my insulin, I need less insulin. So I, of course I'm going to do a spin class, you know? Right. I think it's it, that's one of the first things that I notice as well. I think it's just because my life as an athlete, or you know, I and you know, insulin absorption and just feeling good and getting endorphins flowing. If I don't work out two or three times a week consistently, and I do, I have for a while. Shout out to my friend Andrew who's been waking up with me at five thirty in the morning for the last year and a half. But yeah, you you need people like that, and I, you know if he's not there, I never show up. So it's just like I, because my anxiety wakes me up to not be a bad friend, basically. Uh, so you got to know yourself. But you know if I don't, if I get a workout in uh, three times a week and it's you know good physical exercise, then my blood sugars are perfect and right in line, right where they want them to be. Never perfect, but right where I want them to be. And if I miss that or my routine is off. Uh, it's such a noticeable difference and you know that just creates other stress you know it just adds to the weight of chronic stress that the world kind of gives us today anyway uh, mm-hmm. and that can be challenging I think um, especially in you know a world you know I think for women especially like that just gives us a lot of there's so much negative energy there's so many expectations that are set for people um, that if you don't create space for your self-love and create things that you know are good for you uh, you can find yourself upside down on the wrong end of that pretty quickly. If you don't do it for yourself, no one else will. Not your mother, not your father, not your partner, not your bestest friend. Like I thought that 
I was like pretty hungover during Christmas break. And I was like sitting there and I was like, oh my God, what did I do to myself? And I was like, well, I can't blame anyone else for this horrible feeling. And my sugars were all over the place. And I just felt, I was just like, what am I doing? And I was like, you are the only one that can change and direct the way and choice, like the choices you want to make. Because a lot of times too, people love when you make bad choices because like wounded or weak, love to hang with wounded and weak. And sometimes that's fun, you know, too many drinks on a happy hour and we're like, fuck it, like that's fine. But overall, you have to put you first. And like I said, this disease uh, raises that bar. Like there is, there's less choice. And that, and and if that comes across as confident or or like people have been like, Jen, your energy's so great. And I'm like, yeah, I had to step my game up. Like. There was no choice for me. So, you know, it's been a blessing and a curse, you know? Yeah, because it sort of makes you answer the call every day, answer the bell, right? You got to go out and fight because if you don't, you might be in trouble. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so for you, somebody who's been diagnosed so recently, um, I like to, to talk about this sort of time we're living in as it's definitely the best time to have ever had type 1 for a number of reasons, one of which I think is the social media community and kind of being able to get connected. Um, I know that you have been more outspoken recently about, you know, uh, diabetes activism and creating awareness uh, and sort of using your platforms to do that. What, uh, what did you find when you, you know, were diagnosed and you sort of looked and said, okay, where do I go for information and community? What, uh, what was that like for you? I felt pretty alone. I felt really alone and, and you're just kind of left with these tools and this diagnosis and, um, and my endocrinologist is great, but like they, they speak to you like you should know. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I have to do, I have to shoot myself up every day. And I, I had to start taking, you know, poking myself and, and then I had to watch carbs and I was like, what does this all mean? So, um, and I was in the middle of shooting and my family was here. I didn't have time to just go to a support group and like, like here we go. So I did a lot of like researching online and I was like, shadowing you and other people and then through other people through time on Instagram like kind of a weird diabetes stalker because I was like well I can't come out that I have type 1 diabetes because people are going to think I'm weak or people are going to think I'm sick act I don't know what people are going to think because I totally don't look at it the same way anymore but um I felt like it was a weakness like it was why me and um and then I was following uh you know, just my type or you're just my type. And I was following happy pancreas and all these people. And I was like, they seem like they really got it together. And, and then I think was at the beginning of this year, I, I had this photo shoot I did for myself. Um, it was kind of cathartic at the end of last year. It was like this sexy bardois or boudoir thing. But I was like, I want to get a shot of me shooting up, but like sexy and fit and tone and strong and a woman. Also, I have diabetes. Also, that's something I have. And then I posted the picture. Like I had the, I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to also be an actress. That's a performer, a sister, and then a friend. And I have type one and I posted it and everyone like loved it. And I, and I was so, surprised and so I felt so supported and people you came everyone was coming out and being so kind to me and then I really started to see the community that is online and that's been the most helpful is is feeling not alone by seeing the journeys that the other people are not you know are willing to share so that's uh, been great <laughs> I want to I, I mean you're a performer and you know vulnerability is just part of what you do um in that moment though that like that posting that photo like 
first of all, like coming up with the idea, making the photo shoot happen, like, and doing it, that takes a little bit of like a certain mindset. Like you, uh, that that's obviously, I think part of the acceptance process, um, for like for you, what, what made you decide that that was the thing? Well, I feel like a lot of times as performers, we are given a platform and we, I think maybe not everyone, I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of the people I surround myself with have a great platform uh, and like, or excuse me, have a great cause that they're really passionate about. And I'm, I'm a lover of so many things. I was like, what is my voice? What is my thing? And then I kind of just woke up and was like, I think type one is part of my thing. Raising awareness for kids and performers and people that get it late in life and people that are down and out or depressed for the day and and to show them that, yeah, it sucks, but it's okay. And this, look what else I'm doing and look what else you can do. Um, I'm putting a face to it uh, while it not defining you. So like, I think I just was like, this might be one of my things that I, as I hopefully gain momentum and acclaim for my work and my art, I can help like the th- brilliant things you do and the brilliant things other people do that I care about that have type one and raise awareness and and step up our technology because when I became type one, I was like, I'm sorry, are we in the 80s? I just, like, I don't understand why we are where we are with like these big ass pumps and 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 the Libre, which works, but then sometimes I'm like, this is lying to me. It's just this whole thing. And um, unless you're in it, like we could just be farther and I know why we're not, but we, it's a business. But anyway, what did, I just what did they I give can... you? What did they give you when you got diagnosed? What was your, like, do you remember your meter and your, like, you're on obviously syringes and, and vials and all multiple daily injections? I still do MDI. So I do multiple injections. I do the pens. So the pens are fine, but they get sticky. So I always have to waste one shot, one little thing with, please don't be plugged. Um, and then I like... I guess that's um, what you... Do you play with GAC a lot? Is that like what what kind of sticky yeah. lifestyle do you... Do you, you live a sticky lifestyle with your... What does that can, mean? I don't know. With your pens getting sticky. I don't know. I'm just... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, I guess they... They get sticky, and then they stick me. That's all I know. I I, <laughs> I try not to think about it. Um, but I have the one touch, the little meter, and then um, I just do the MDI, basal, and, and bolusing, and all that jazz. And and I I'm not going to do a pump for now. My my endocrinologist is like pump, 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 and I'm like, no, I did. That's not what I want to do right now. And it might be a little stressful for me, but uh, it's just everyone has their own choice of what they'd like to do. And I think as a woman with fashion and with costumes, yeah, I'm not there yet. Uh, and I, I hope we're, we can keep improving. So maybe none of us are there. Um, and then I did the Libre and I documented it on a live Instagram video. I did the Libre doing it the first time. Cause I was so scared to do it. I was like, I went live. I've never gone live and I went live and everyone was being supportive. And then I did that. And I actually enjoyed the Libre sensor. So when it, when it works, um, it's great. Yeah. I think it's, it's always interesting backing up to what you said before about, Hey, type one is who I am. Like, cause I had a very similar type of reaction when I decided to, to get more involved in the community. It never occurred to me before that me having diabetes was like, a and it made me accessible to this community or was anything worth writing home about that was never, I don't know. I just didn't look at it that way. And then I was just thinking like, oh, well, I really love helping people. That's when I'm probably the happiest. And mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, actually, this makes sense. Like, I, it's like authentic. It's real. It's like what I know. And I can maybe help people. And then I just discovered, like, if you're having a bad day or you have something to say, like, you can just 
even if it's as simple as sharing a you know a, installing a sensor or a bad blood sugar or a high blood sugar or low blood sugar and people are just talking about it there and there i think they're so much more open to vulnerability than i thought they would be uh, maybe that's just fear you know creeping and telling you lies anyway but um man just like i the community is so open and i think so supportive and it's one of those things that doesn't get talked about uh, as much in the social media realm because I don't think a lot of people know about it unless you're plugged into it you don't know and and so you know being welcomed into that I think is a great way to you know learn about technology I I start I got a Dexcom uh, for the first time last year and I don't use it anymore now I'm on uh, Medtronic 670 but because somebody after an interview was like hey you don't have a CGM why and I was like, oh, well, I don't think I want another sight on my body. And I fought the pump for years because it wasn't sexy. And I was 19 and I was like, bro, I've got to have abs and girls and stuff. And so that was super important to me. And I also thought you had to have surgery to put it on. It was a, it was a long story. But I kind of felt the same way. I was like, I don't know if I want another thing on my body. And she's like, you should try it. You'll love it. And she was right. And I was like, well, if I hadn't been plugged into the community, would this have ever happened? Would this conversation have even ever happened? And so, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. It's like I almost feel like I benefit more from the help of others than they benefit from anything that I do. Oh, well, I think you've done, I mean, and just the foot, like the stuff I've seen that, like the footprints you've made, I think it, it is so amazing. But I, I think, yeah, in, 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 including you, this community has been so open to even the Libre. I was like, what is that? What is this little quarter thing? And then how do you do it? And then I just asked my doctor and I was like, what's this new sensor? And then I re we're, I, we're, we're tapped in as a community and everyone is um, not afraid to put those out there. Like you said, I also think it's really cool because everyone is kind and welcome for the most part. And like, um, we're kind of all in this together and it helps break this stigma. Like, you know, we're performers, we're photographers, we're running businesses, we're fitness people, nutrition people. Oh, we also have type one. And so it's changing the face of diabetes, especially type one, which uh, that's a thing too. I, I, I try to rise above that. But when someone's like, oh, but you look great. You have diabetes. You just, did you not eat well? And I'm like, oh, okay, there's so much to unpack right now in what you just said. You don't even realize that it's very offensive. Um, so then I have to try to sit with that. Uh, and so again, it's nice to have a community where you're like, oh, I've been there. Yeah. And like, this is how you can talk to people about it, or it's not worth it, you know, or just you feel less alone. I think that's the biggest thing is when you're given something like this that a lot of people around me don't have. Um, it just makes you feel like people get it, and it's like fine, it's better, it's okay. What do you, uh, you know, what do you, what are you hopeful for when you think about your life with diabetes? Obviously, like a cure, none of us want this anymore. We obviously want devices that are less intrusive and better care and better awareness. But for you, for Jen, like what is what is your successful life with diabetes? Like, what do you, what do you dream of with that? What, how does that look? That's a oh, big, can, that's a big I question. I want to continue to be a, go ahead. I'm sorry. I said, I said that's a big question. I get it. But, um, oh, so, no, I, I just, I like my life now. Um, I, it's been, it's interesting that with diabetes and all of the fun, but crazy success and coolness of this career, that's like in a different level now or taking me to another level. It's just so wonderful. I'm so thankful. But like, I feel stable and I want to continue to create opportunities for myself and others. Uh, like I've written and produced stuff. That's really important to me as a performer. And I don't want diabetes. I don't even want to say that to get in the way of that because it's, 
because that to me means I hate it and it I have to accept it so it has to just come along with me on this journey and my hope is that I can bring it along and shed light on it and gain enough power or voice within this world to have someone like have people like I, I can shed light so we can get somewhere with technology uh, of course we'd love a cure but realistically I'm I'm realistic I'm, I'm, I'm honest with myself I just think we can be farther than where we are with technology I'm just I was so appalled I was like wait what what is that big thing on you and it just seems like the technology hasn't changed as much as it should have when I feel like we're we have flying cars I don't understand right. or you know cars that drive themselves excuse me whatever you know like it's I get it I see the ugly side of big pharma and all of that but if there's anything I can do to shake hands or smile or attend an event or speak to people that can help all of us I'll do it I would I want to do it I want to do that so yeah and I mean we need that I, th I think now like representation is something that's that's new for type one as well Certainly we've had people in the past, like, and now we have Nick Jonas and he wears a Dexcom on his six pack. And we have, you know, Victor Garber, who's, you know, does, has done other stuff besides without a trace. And I think, you know, we have Derek Thieler now and, and he's a real life superhero for, and a great role model for kids. And these people are speaking up and hopefully, like you said, like changing things and creating or meeting the right person or shaking the right hand at the right event and making a difference. Uh, at a macro level um, but you know there all of us as well like newly diagnosed like you, you mentioned it's only been like a year and a half right for you uh, a year yeah about a year actually so, so about a year and like the amount that your life has changed and I think even just mindset in the last year um, we all go through that at some level and so what I like now is that there are people like you who are in that first year and they're already stepping forward and, and using their voice for good um, and that's something that just wasn't possible 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, and it gives me a lot of hope, I think, for where we're going to be in 10 years, where we're going to be in 20 years. And hopefully we can just have some big Jamaica sandals retreat, a bunch of people that used to have diabetes and we can all, you know, jump around a campfire or something. Yeah, used to have it. So we're just pounding pina coladas and pizza. Um, yeah, I I want to be a part of that. And I, I do agree, like, it's it really is breaking the this stigma or this idea and there's not enough people like I remember the first thing I googled was working actors and Hollywood people who have diabetes and like I couldn't find much and I, there were some people that were like yeah but it's type 2 but they got it from a role because they gained weight and I'm like why is everyone being so vague like I don't and then I was like and that's when I kind of reverted I was like don't say anything because maybe no one talks about it and you know you're you're doing a stuff with this show and I'm like I just like I said I woke up I was like nope no no I have to like um, I read a few books by Tyler Moore and that really moved me as well. Um, and what she did for type one, but also just being a comedic, funny, brilliant, empowered woman who happened to have type one, you know, and wasn't perfect and by any means, but that's what I want to do. So it, it's, it's cool to talk about this. It is. It's good. It's, uh, it's cool to hear people get fired up, like especially badass, cool people like yourself. Um, I love it. It's one of my favorite things about uh, the decision I made to get involved. Um, I ask this question to everybody, um, and it's context is important, but you can totally reject the context if you want because people have, and it's fine. It's basically I just get dunked on in my own question, which is how I look at it. But um, 
you're in an airport and you're about to catch a flight and they're about to close the door to your gate and uh, you bump into somebody with type one who's either been recently diagnosed or is struggling and kind of maybe struggling with acceptance and you can't miss the flight. Whatever's on the other end is super important. What's the one thing that you say to them in that 30 seconds before they close the door to the gate? Uh, I would say that you, what my late grandmother said, you can only take one day at a time. And the biggest thing you can do to yourself is to stay present. Because when you think ahead about anything, personally or health-wise or professionally, it creates anxiety. And whenever you think about the past, even things that you loved about the past, it makes you sad and it can bring on depression. So stay mindful and stay present. And that puts things in a perspective. And then I'd probably give them my contact information and say, when I land, go ahead and reach out to me and I'll get back to you and we can take this conversation offline. Or I've done that for a lot of people. If I connect with you now, if you seem like a crazy, you know, let's be real, I gotta watch my stuff here. But uh, but yeah, no, if there's something that we're connecting on and they're looking for guidance or um, trying to align with someone and I can be there for that, yeah. And I'll probably be realistically a half a Xanax and a half a glass of wine in because if this is a true plane ride, I'm already going to be a little looped out and listen to some hip hop on my beats. And then I'll be like really nice, probably overly nice. And then I'll get on my plane. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And let's let's be honest, there are certainly super crazy people with type one and a lot of them listen to this podcast. And I'm so grateful for you guys. And you all scare me. Jen, thanks so much for coming uh, on the oh, show. Thank you. Uh, it was, thanks for having me. Oh, it was my pleasure, and uh, I'm glad we were able to make it happen. I know you're super busy, and uh, but you know, for you to be here with us and be present, um, to be here now, shout out Ram Das, uh, and then uh, you know, to really be you know only a year into this uh, you know lifelong journey that we're all on, uh, and to be as inspiring and, and uh, empowering as you as you are, uh, just says a lot about you, and we're happy to have you in this family. Well, thank you so much for being so, like opening. You've just been so kind via social media and thanks for everything you're doing and kudos to you for being an awesome performer and uh, making this one of your causes in life. Um, yeah. Oh, and can I plug my show? Is that gross and Hollywood? No, 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 no. Please. I was literally going to ask you to plug it and plug your Instagram, plug everything, plug your side projects, plus plug okay. your, you know, every, anything you want. Well, I'm really proud of this one, guys, because it's been a long time. Uh, so American Woman comes out on Paramount Network on June 7th uh, at 10 p.m. And uh, I'm very excited. It's with Alicia Silverstone and Mina Suvari, about three women trying to find their voices in the 1970s. Uh, Sidewise, I'm just really focused on the show and writing new materials to sell as TV shows to give opportunities to other people. And uh, my handle is at the Jen Bartels, J-E-N-B-A-R-T-E-L-S. And uh, I'm here if you need a fellow type one to talk to or connect with or feel supported by. Oh, that's awesome. And I hope people will take you up on that offer. And we will definitely watch uh, American Woman uh, as it comes out later this uh, summer. That's super exciting. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time.